politics and above religion, a moral authority exists known globally as the ageless wisdom. It is the study of consciousness, the mystery of awareness, which cannot be measured, yet will not be denied. Stay tuned as we explore consciousness, the fundamental nature of reality. Welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School with Michael Benner. Hello, friends and neighbors. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School on 90.7 FM KPFK for all of Southern California, streaming for the world at kpfk.org. And uh, Happy New Year. We survived 2021. It was... uh, touch and go for a while. Uh, We're coming up on the first anniversary of January 6th, which is a sobering thing to think about, uh, how close we came to losing the democracy and realizing how fragile it is that one party would actually conspire at the highest levels of government to overthrow an election. And uh, not just one party over another, but to actually overthrow the whole democracy in order to install a dictatorship, an autocracy uh, run by oligarchs. So uh, the work continues. You know, the Rosenbergs were executed for giving state secrets to the Russians, and yet we have a number of uh, Congress people and a former president who uh, appear to have conspired to overthrow the whole government, and they're all walking around free. 700 people have been charged, and this is worthy of reflection as we approach the first anniversary of January 6th, the day that uh, I think will live in our memories for a long time, certainly be an important part of history. And I have more to say about that, but I have such a jam-packed agenda today that I'm going to leave it at that and perhaps talk more next week about the uh, current state of affairs politically and socially and and, uh, what to do about it. Without doubt, there's a lot of anger in the country all the way around the political spectrum, and I don't think anger is the best way to be a social activist. I don't think that's the best motive. So maybe next week I can talk more about that. I do want to thank everyone who participated in our holiday fun drive just concluded. Your support is essential to our survival here at KPFK. We are listener-sponsored. We take no money from corporations. That means no editorial influence That's uh, the only way that we can remain as independent and free as we need to be. And so thank you. It's never too late. It's always a great time to contribute to KPFK. And you do that, as always, by pointing your web browser to kpfk.org slash donate and make an annual contribution or set up Sustainer's Circle to make a small monthly contribution. Or just call 818-985-5735. 
985-KPFK in the 818 area code and make your donation or contribution that way. I am personally optimistic about the new year. Of course, that's just my general attitude about things. Pessimists get to be right a lot. It's more difficult to be an optimist, but things work out better for people who have positive expectations. That's been my experience in my long life, and I hope that you understand the importance of being realistic and remaining positive, solution-oriented, goal-oriented, and recognize that consciousness is what projects reality. That's what this Ageless Wisdom Mystery School program is all about. It's not about changing the world so that we benefit, but reversing that equation, changing the individual, awakening as many people as possible, starting with yourself, and then sharing that vision of a world that works for everyone in such a way that the world is created in our vision. It's a contribution that you make to the world, not unlike the contribution that we ask you to make to the Pacific Commission. And in that sense, we have a wonderful guest for you today. Uh, he's with us a couple of times a year. Our, I call him our resident mystic. Andrew Harvey has a brand new book called Engoldenment. And he's going to tell us about a great mystic named Kabir from the 15th century, revered by Hindus and Muslims and indeed mystics around the world for his sweeping poetry of heartfelt wisdom, Kabir Das. And I'm going to bring Andrew on in just a couple of minutes to tell us about the verses that he's put together, one for each day of the year, 366 poems, some of them quite short that in the tradition of mystics can open your eyes and perhaps more importantly, open your heart to a much deeper understanding of who you are and how you can make a difference in the world. That's really your job is to be of service to others and contribute to redeeming this planet and the way we uh, view each other, the way we interact and enhance and improve our relationships. And so in order to give Andrew as much time as possible, I'm going to break early. We'll take that little station break right now and come back in just a flash with our guest. Speaking to us today from Chicago, a friend of mine, and a friend of KPFK's for many, many years, Andrew Harvey, a celebrated mystic and author of many books, and uh, a dear man, you're going to really enjoy the show, so stick around. We'll be back right after this short break. You're listening to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School on KPFK. And we're back with the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School on KPFK 90.7 FM for all of Southern California and streaming for the world at kpfk.org. Happy New Year. Isn't it nice to have a brand new start? After what we've been through, I was thinking about the Beatles song, Getting Better, and there's that refrain where they say, uh, can't get no worse. 
that's the way of things. Everything moves in cycles, energy, spirit. It's cyclic in nature. Everything has its seasons. And so we're going through some dark times, and I don't think they're over in many ways. You know, there's wheels within wheels and cycles within cycles. So there is a larger Kali Yuga here, um, a dark night of the soul that we're going to continue to have to wade through, I think. But the whole purpose, of course, is to birth a new spirit and a new awareness and a new new age. I don't mean new age like pop psych new age, but, but truly um, expanded awareness, higher consciousness, an understanding of who we are and uh, why we're here and what we're for. So how fitting that we would begin this new year, 2022, with our resident KPFK mystic, um, <laughs> the closest thing I have to a guru, and certainly a teacher and a and a dear friend and a and a dear heart. And if you're a listener to this show for any length of time, you know Andrew Harvey, and we have a special message for you. Andrew has a marvelous new book called Engoldenment. What a wonderful term, and goal. You plug that into Google, and his book will come up. I don't think anybody's ever used the word before. And it's about Kabir Das, the Indian mystic from 600 years ago. And uh, he will ring again in Andrew's voice today as we talk about this great Hindu and Muslim uh, mystic and, and saint and, and poet Kabir. Andrew Harvey, welcome to KPFK. Michael, what a joy, what a joy, and what a joy at the beginning of this year to be celebrating humanity's greatest mystic, I believe, Kabir. And this book that I've at last managed to get out, which is Engoldenment, A Year with Kabir, 366 timeless poems available on Amazon so that everybody listening can have Kabir in their lives day by day by day and be Kabirized. Well, I know we're right at the top of this. You just released this book uh, a few weeks ago. And... Um... You know, I have heard you talk about Kabir because I follow you at andrewharvey.net. I listen to your webinars, and I've heard you speak of him in the past. He reminds me, and probably I'm not alone in this, of Rumi and Hafiz and some of the great Persian Sufi poets. But for some reason, we're not as familiar with Kabir as we may be with Rumi. Any idea why that's so? Well, that's partly why I've plunged into translating him and recreating him for now, because I believe that we have two great universal mystical poets that are coming back together now to help humanity go through this tremendous evolutionary ordeal that we're in. One, I've spent 40 years of my life serving and honoring and loving, and that's Rumi. And I believe that Rumi softened me up to actually be able to meet Kabir. And Kabir is very different from Rumi and from Hafiz and from the great Persian mystical poets. Kabir is a peasant. He was born into a 
very humble Muslim weaver family in about 1380 or 98 or some people say, or 1440, nobody quite knows when he was born, but we know when he died, 1518, and he was born in Benares, which is a holy Hindu city, and he speaks like a fierce, clear, grounded, no BS peasant to us. And what makes him totally different from all other of the great mystical poets, for my taste, is that there is no decoration in Kabir. There's no flying out into the ethers in Kabir. He's grabbing you by the shoulders and shaking you into clarity and into divine life. And I think at this moment of our tragic, amazing journey, we need a voice that clean and clear and fierce so deeply. And that's why I've spent the last eight years, I did a book called Turn Me to Gold. And then when, when COVID broke and I asked myself, if I'm going to die, what would I like to give humanity before I die? Because I'm 60, 69 now. I thought what I'd really love to give everyone now is a day book of Kabir so that they could live with Kabir throughout a whole year and let his fierce, noble, direct, clear spirit into the depths of them. Because I found in my own case that much though I have loved Rumi and I've loved Rumi immeasurably and passionately, I find now in this time of my life and in this time of the world's journey, it is to Kabir I'm turning because he gives you the skinny. Speaking of Rumi, uh, perhaps his best-known translator in the West, Coleman Barks, yes. is one of the people who endorsed your book. I was uh, along with Ken Wilbur, and it's quite a star-studded cast of people. Oh, I got all out for this book because I felt that really, I felt that what I really feel is that Rumi has come in before Kabir to soften people up for the big kahuna. It's rather like when you begin to appreciate classical music, and I'm talking about myself, the, the composer that really electrified me at the beginning was Beethoven. I thought, oh my God, that can never be anything greater than this wild, gorgeous, noble, extraordinarily flamboyant sound that Beethoven has for, with rigor and everything else. But then in my 40s, I started to listen to Bach. And before I thought Bach was rather boring. And then suddenly in my 40s, I got it. Oh my God, this is not boring. This is so lucid, so clean, so rigorous, so pure, that it is the noblest imaginable music. And I think something like that is operating in the spiritual world at the moment. It's as if God said, let's send Rumi first because he'll enchant everybody. He'll seduce everybody. He'll irradiate everybody with beauty. He'll soften up everybody. And then when everyone's ready, having been Rumified, let's send in Kabir, the Marine general of true mystical death into life because when when they're ready, they'll get the big kahuna and they'll realize, oh, my God, Rumi is, if you like, Annapurna, but Kav, Kabir is Everest. This is the real deal. Not that Rumi isn't the real deal, but that Rumi is an enchanter 
And Kabir is a legislator of truth. Rumi leads with tenderness. Kabir leads with fierce truth. Rumi leads with enchantment. Kabir's enchantment is his absolutely searing naked clarity and honesty. Different textures. Well, it's interesting that you would compare uh, Rumi and, and Kabir to the classical musicians, Beethoven and Bach, because those uh, particular composers, classical composers, it seems to me, create a space for the listener to participate, to become involved. And when I read Rumi, and you've introduced me now to Kabir, I feel no separation. Oh, no. He's holding a door open, and he says, come in, sit with me, share this with me. I, I feel like I'm participating with him, not sitting apart in the audience you know, sitting at his feet, but sharing deeply and intimately some divine space. Oh, I love what you're saying, and I think that's absolutely the case. It's the case with Rumi, who's, who makes us his intimates immediately. That's his genius. But it's also the case of Kabir, because Kabir is like your wild, rough uncle who you adore and are slightly scared of because you never can predict what's going to come out of his mouth. But you're thrilled when he does speak to you because you know you're always going to learn something and you're always going to be told the truth. Now, Kabir, as any good heretic, offended Hindus and Muslims. Oh, but he offended everybody, yes, yes. He... He did not like the rigidity of organized religion, regardless of the religion. But to this day, he is revered by many Hindus and Muslims, considered a saint. <laughs> well, this is one of the great jokes around Kabir. First of all, what makes him so relevant to us now is that he truly is a universal mystic, the most radical universal mystic we've ever had. Kabir basically woke up to total realization in his late 20s, early 30s, somewhere around then, woke up to the process which I've called engoldenment, which is that enlightenment is not enough. It's got to be the transformation of the whole being, the engoldening of the whole being, and basically said to the Hindus, you're full of it, and to the Muslims, you're full of it, because you're just tribalist, and you believe that you've got the exclusive ground of truth, and you're playing all kinds of power games. All of this has got to stop. And he did this in Benares, in Varanasi, the sacred center of Hinduism. So you can imagine he wasn't the most loved guy around. The Hindus couldn't stand him because he was threatening their supply of, of slave-like devotees and their cash. And the Muslims couldn't stand him because they felt he was a heretic. But because he was so obviously nakedly illumined and sincere, all kinds of ordinary people thronged around him. He never became a guru. He never claimed to be the only one who could ever achieve the state he achieved. He said it's for everybody. He made the most amazing breakthrough by speaking 
singing out his songs in Hindi, not in Sanskrit. So he said, damn Sanskrit, damn all these holy languages like Sanskrit and Arabic. I'm going to speak to you in your language, in the language of the streets. He remained his whole life a poor weaver, refusing cash, refusing honors, refusing gold and silver and emeralds and jewels, and speaking his truth in the language of the people for the people. So what happened is that the people protected him. He got away with it somehow. And there's a very famous story, which I hope is true, which is about the king of Benares. The king of Benares heard that there was this guy who was a weaver who everybody was going to see, who was sitting out on his porch and going into ecstasy and singing these songs, which were taken down, the songs that we have. So I want to see him. I want to get to know who he is. So the Kabir goes in his ordinary clothes, which is a very naughty thing to do, and sees the king, turns up at the king, and the king rather likes the look of this guy and says to him, um, what have you got to say to me? And he said, Oh, I'm very upset about you, for you, basically, because you've got this impossible role of dealing with all these crazy people, and you're in great danger because power makes people stupid, arrogant, narcissistic, and drunk. And I am going to pray for you and do whatever I can to help you because I'm really upset about your state of soul. And nobody had ever talked to the king like this, but he was a, enough of a real guy to say, oh my God, this is the real deal. So then he said, he tried to test Kabir and he said, well, I think you're wonderful. You're obviously totally awake and you're going to be the great guru of Benares. And I'm going to give you the equivalent of a million dollars to set you up. And Kabir said, you keep the money. You need it. I don't need your money. I'm perfectly okay doing my work. I make enough for my wife and two kids and I can feed myself. I work from the early morning to the late night and you keep your money, you need it. And the king just laughed with joy and embraced him and said, I will protect you from the lunatics as long as I live. That's a fabulous story. I hope it's true because it's totally what Kabir was like. Kabir was fearless. He spoke whatever he had to say without any consideration for fame or acceptance or power. And it's that noble voice that we need to rouse in ourselves now as we face the great evolutionary challenges of our destiny. We have to find our inner Kabir, become brave and fearless enough to tell truth to power and to start acting from our deepest core in the name of justice and harmony to save the planet. And Kabir is the greatest trainer of nobility and fearlessness that I know. And that's why I'm so overjoyed to have given this book at this moment. Well, this is all so important, especially for listeners of a radio station like this, but for everyone who believes that since they view themselves as victims of a cruel and unjust world, and that there is a certain reality to the idea that life is being done to us, it is more primary to understand that life is a reflection of our consciousness. So, a lot of our efforts seem to me to be akin to 
running toward the movie screen and attempting to manipulate the shadows on the wall when the truth is behind you in the projection booth, uh, in our brains, in our hearts. And what we really need to change is ourselves. And I think before we go any further, and I do want you to, uh, I hope you've brought a few verses. That oh, you can try and swap me. Are you kidding me? Yes. But before we do that, I want to make sure that this message is not lost. We're like uh, emphasizing this idea. Gosh, I, I have forgotten now who gets credit for saying it. Some Western philosopher once said, uh, everybody wants to change the world, but few people think about changing themselves as a way to do it. And that's what we're talking about. That's the whole point of why be a mystic or why meditate or why surrender to our intuition and discern the distinction between true intuition and instinct, even though we often call both of them gut feelings, they are very different. Instinct is sort of an, oh, no, run away, avoid this, whereas intuition is, oh, boy, move toward this. <laughs> Let's talk a little about what mysticism is for people who recognize their spiritual calling. They, they feel the longing and the urges in their heart, but organized religion hasn't met their needs. What, what is mysticism? Mysticism is the direct relationship with the divine and coming to understand that you have as original blessing divine consciousness and doing the work to make that consciousness as conscious to you in your heart, mind, soul, and body as far as you possibly can. That is mysticism. And what Kabir is saying is so opposite to what you are saying. He's saying, look, you're not victims. You're idiots. You've bought a completely fake vision of reality. You believe you're just this small little person living this small little life. You're not that. You actually are a hologram of the entire universe. You are a part of God. And if you trust me, Kabir is saying, because I've discovered this, and I've discovered this not for me alone, but for all of you, if you trust me, you'll start on the real path and you'll establish a direct naked connection beyond religion, beyond words, with the divine, through sacred practice, and amazing things will start happening to you. And eventually, if you persist and if you're brave and if you're willing to die into life to really discard your old identity, realizing it's fake, something astounding will be revealed to you, which is nothing less that you are a light drop of the infinite ocean of light that is eternal reality and that your light drop is in miraculous connection with the power and the beauty and the grandeur of that whole ocean which is reflected in your light drop and when you discover this you can't possibly be a victim because you know that behind you 
the whole divine is working and that if you surrender to that divine, it will pour into you and pour through you great holy powers of healing and of courage and of standing up for justice and truth and the endangered creation in your own life and you'll become, as Kabir himself became, a sacred warrior midwife of a new reality, a sacred activist inspired by divine consciousness, not only to be an extraordinary being, but to do extraordinary things with divine blessing and divine power behind you. So at a time when so many people are feeling, oh my God, I can't do anything, I'm paralyzed by what's going on, here is Kabir saying, wake the hell up, stop buying a limited version of who you really are, trust the great mystics of all traditions, go beyond religion, believe what the greatest mystics have said always, which is that you have divine consciousness as an original blessing, do the work of adoration, and discover for yourself just how amazing and empowered and great you really are when you have died into your essential self. Yeah, see, I just, I just love the way you say it. And I can hear that every time you say it, it's so spontaneous. You just tune in and let it flow. And... Well, something I know through the grace of my teachers and through my own work and through, especially through Rumi and Kabir, you don't spend 40 years of your life with Rumi and then 10 years of your life with Kabir without some of their wild holy genius rubbing off of you despite yourself. So that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about this book in Golden Moment, because I know what happens to people if they let Kabir into the depths of their lives and start listening to him and working with what he says. Religious people often talk about the need for faith, but... While I understand that, there is an experience that goes beyond faith. Faith is very important, but far more important than faith is direct experience. I may have faith in love, but as you know from your marriage and I know from my relationships, nothing compares to the direct naked experience of love to teach you what love is. Similarly with God, if don't be content with faith, that's a damn good beginning. Trust the mystics and realize, oh my God, my destiny is to know God and know God beyond any possible concept or dogma or religion. Know God nakedly in the core of my ordinary, extraordinary life. And my other destiny is to become Godded through that knowing of God. Because the knowing God opens up all kinds of receptivity to divine grace, which then transforms your mind, transforms your heart. And Kabir says, and this is why I think he's so important, not just your heart and your mind are transformed, but also your body. So your whole being turns to gold and you become a consciously human, consciously divine being living an ordinary, extraordinary life, which you know is a divine blessing. How amazing. Why wouldn't you want to have that experience? That's why we're on the earth. 
And again and again and again. Engoldenment is Andrew Harvey's new book, just out a few weeks. And uh, it's uh, about this beautiful Indian mystic named Kabir, Kabir Das. And we'll have more with Andrew, and hopefully he will, in fact, I'm quite sure he will, <laughs> he will share a few verses with us so that uh, you can get a sense of the the, the beauty of uh, this poetry. You're listening to KPFK 90.7 FM for all of Southern California, and of course, streaming for the world at kpfk.org. My name's Michael Benner. This is the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School, and we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School on KPFK. FM in Southern California. We do podcast, by the way, and post to YouTube in case you miss one of these programs live on KPFK. And the homepage is theagelesswisdom.com. The T-H-E is part of it, so it's theagelesswisdom.com. But you'll find it on all Podcatchers, is that what they call them? Aggregators and and pod directories. And but we appreciate you joining us live whenever you can on Tuesday afternoons at one o'clock. Be part of the group mind. I have you ever done a group meditation that felt so much more powerful because you were sitting in a group? That's a real phenomena. That's a real thing. And. Um, when, even when you meditate alone, it's a great idea to invoke an overshadowing group, a group of, uh, of souls, and, and, and consider the beings all around the world who coincidentally are meditating at the same time as you enter into that group simply by gently forming the intention to align with that group. And you'll find your, your meditation experience is very likely to be enhanced by that whole idea. Do you have any comment on that, Andrew? I don't know that we've ever really talked about that. I think that's one of the great unused forces. I believe that, as Jesus says, when two or three are gathered together in my name, I am present. That's not poetry. When a whole group of people have a focused intention, that intention works in the most incredibly powerful ways on the inner levels and can shift a situation on the external. That is simply a cosmic law. And I believe that one of the things that we should be doing at this moment more than anything else is coming together in those passionate compassionate group meditations to fuel the human soul with power and grace to rise to this tremendous challenge with real truth. I think it's such a fortuitous coincidence, I guess a synchronicity, that the word alone is so similar to all one. Absolutely. Well, the alone is all one. And that's the God of Kabir, is the alone one that is all one through some magic which we will never understand, but which the mystic can connect with. 
I love the word inalienable that we use in our constitution because we cannot be separated from our source or no. we'd just be a sack of protoplasm without it. Well, I've always amused when people say, oh, God has abandoned me. How could God abandon you? Where would God go? God is a permanent fixture of this, and you are a part of God. It's not that God has abandoned you. It's that for some reason, which you have to find out very quickly, you have abandoned God. You haven't done the work. You aren't really humble enough. You're not opening yourself deeply enough. So get on with it. You'll find that God is right here right now, because where else would God be? Didn't you write a book at one point called The Sun at Midnight? Yes, that was my account of my bloody wild dark night, yes. But it's also, it's a very hopeful book, actually, because just as I believed, as you said at the beginning, and I loved what you said, we're going through a global dark night, but hang in there, because when things get really dreadful, it's because something amazing is about to be born. Old structures are being absolutely torn apart. And that's terrifying and painful. And there'll be many, many deaths and there'll be agony beyond belief. But there is something absolutely unprecedented that is possible now for the first time. And that is what I call engoldenment. I believe that we're going through a great evolutionary mutation and that the world is being plunged into the global dark night, not to punish humanity, but to transfigure humanity, to take us to the next level of our evolutionary destiny. And that's the real reason why I got this book out at this moment, this day book of Kabir's greatest poems, because Kabir knew this. In the 15th century, Kabir woke up to the next stage of our evolutionary destiny. He knew that we were in Kali Yuga. He knew that the world was headed for a massive global dark night. But here is his voice coming back to say, do the damned work, hang in there, love God, and amazing miracles will be manifest in you and through you. Trust me, I know because I've lived through this process. That's why Kabir is so important. Well, it's remarkable to consider we're talking about poetry and wisdom from 600 years ago. And yet, uh, when I hear you speak it and you breathe into it, it becomes alive again. You reanimate it. So would you share a few verses with us? I think you've selected some oh, shorter, God. some of the I shorter verses. Yeah, please. Thank you so much. This Look, this poem, which is August the 9th. So if any of you have a birthday on August the 9th, this is your poem. And in this poem, Kabir talks about his God, and his God is beyond all all form, beyond all name, beyond all religion. His God is the eternal light that's manifesting everything and living in and as everything and organizing everything by its own inscrutable love intelligence. So here it is. He's my beloved, deathless, formless, who has no place, no end, no birthmarks. I'm his woman, 
and live to give him more and more of my soul and heart and body. The more I dare to give ecstatically, freely, the more he lives in me as me. No one can explain this mystery. True lovers are happy just to let it unfold. All other lovers, Kabir says, die and rot. I fed them to the furnace of truth. If you want this love, friends, cry and pray incessantly to be worthy to pay its price. That's the whole damn thing in one poem. Because he's saying, don't get hung up on any one religious vision of God. They're all, they're all limited. How could any of them express the fullness of what God really is, which is something that you will only know in stages. And there'll come a stage when you know you cannot know anything because that which you're trying to connect with is beyond anything that you can know. But that's okay, because by then you'll be so in love with it that it'll be able to teach you stage by stage whatever you need to know. And what he says in that wonderful verse, I'm his woman. One of the things about Kabir, although he's so masculine in some ways because he's so fierce and clear and rigorous, he's also an ecstatic lover of the divine feminine because he knows that the divine feminine will teach you passion, devotion, surrender. And that's what you most need. Those qualities are what you most require to do this great journey into the infinite one. And then he gives us the key to the whole engoldenment process, to this whole astounding mystery of being transformed by grace into having an illumined, enlightened mind, an ecstatic sacred heart, and an increasingly divinized body. He says, the more I dare to give to this infinite one that I will never completely know, ecstatically, freely, the more he lives in me as me. And then he says, none can explain this mystery. You'll never, ever be able to explain this. But you can live this as I've lived it, meaning I, Kabir, but also I have lived this myself. I know that this is true. True lovers are happy just to let it unfold. Kabir isn't just somebody who will give you all kinds of exalted information. Kabir was a great revolutionary in many ways. I mean, he first of all, he was a religious revolutionary in saying, let's get over the religions. Let's go directly to the naked Godhead and have a direct relationship with it in the core of all of our lives. That's what's going to empower you and free you. Stop being a Hindu or a Buddhist or a Christian. That's just tribalism go beyond. Not even Jesus was as radical as that. But the other way in which he was a tremendous radical, and I think very important for us, is that he said, what they talk about when they talk about enlightenment is just the beginning. It's not enough just to have an awakening to the light. That's fabulous, wonderful, well done, good for you. But that's the first step, because then what's important is that 
you through devotion allow the light to come down into you as a human being open up your mind to enlightened intelligence open your heart to enlightened love but then go down into the core of your body of matter itself and work on matter which is nothing less than crystallized light energy to transfigure your entire being and why that's so important now is that I think it's the key to our evolutionary destiny. I think that the great keys are given to us by the great evolutionary mystics, like Sri Aurobindo, like the great Moses de Leon of the Kabbalists, and like Jesus himself, actually, in the Gospel of Thomas. And they're all saying enlightenment's just the first step. Because when you are enlightened, you realize that everything is light. Then you have to work with the light and allow the light to transfigure you into your golden being, to engolden you. First enlightenment, and then through the miraculous grace of the light itself, engoldenment. That's the next level. We're not going to get through this crisis just from enlightened intelligence or even from enlightened love. We're going to get through this crisis by being transfigured into another kind of human being, human and divine, just as Kabir was, Sri Aurobindo was, Jesus was, Moses de Leon was, some of the great Sufi mystics were, who were, if you like, the first fish that turned into birds, you know that fish turned into birds through a great evolutionary transformation. Dinosaurs turned into birds. Right. That's, but that's how mutation works. It takes a species that seems shaped and formed and then subjects it to a tremendous ordeal and that species becomes something qualitatively different. Look what happens to a caterpillar that goes into a cocoon. It melts away and then a butterfly is born, which is completely different in its DNA even from the caterpillar. That's what we're going through. And that process is brilliantly understood by Kabir because he lived it. And that's why I produced this book, because I believe that's what we're all living. So the sooner we can get with the program and do the work and realize that this dark night is potentially the birthing ground of a new in golden humanity, the better, the more likely this astounding potential has of being realized. So let me read you two poems of engoldenment because this is how Kabiri experienced this astounding truth. When lies and deceit ran out of my body's house, I realized the Lord in all his splendor. Rain came down in torrents. After the wild storm, torrents of divine love drenched me, body and soul. Then, O oh Kabir, the sun soared out, the sun of glory the sun of realization and darkness dissolved forever. And I read that poem absolutely in 2022. After the wild storm that we're now going to go through, if we can go through it enlightened and engoldened in our heart mind by the great evolutionary mystics and especially by Kabir, then we have a chance of realizing what he realized.
The torrents of divine love will drench us, body and soul, and the sun of glory, the sun of realization, will flame out, and we'll be born into another level of who we are destined to be. And this second poem describes exactly that moment when the devotee realizes, awestruck with grace, that he or she is being transformed not just into an enlightened being, which is wonderful enough, but into an engolden being. Mind illumined, heart open, and body increasingly divinized, so that the whole of you can become one with the one in humble radiance and humble glory. This is the great secret message at the core of all of the mystical traditions, and it's been kept secret because it was considered too radioactive to be released. But I have decided, and there are a few of us working on the earth, who are really now anxious to give this secret to humanity because this is the moment when humanity really needs to get with it. And Kabir is the supreme teacher of this secret. So that makes him the guide to our evolutionary destiny. And that's why this book is out. And it begins with three words, conch, gong, trumpet, which might sound very weird to people, but in fact, if you ever go to an Indian temple, you'll know that when the god, the icon of the god, is introduced into the temple, conscious gongs and trumpets sound. And when you yourself come into this engolden destiny, you'll hear that music. And anybody who's been on a real mystical path will already have heard some of the music of reality. There are many sounds that are revealed along the path. But the ultimate sound is this sound of rapturous celebration when you arrive at the next stage of your evolutionary truth. So, conch, gong, trumpet, hear them thrilling through the divine palace of your body as at last, at long last, you merge with your eternal husband. Let love's mad joy surge through your whole being in wave after wave. This is what you were born for. This is what you died to live. That's a very radical poem. It goes far beyond the poem of enlightenment. This is what you're born for. This is what, what you die to live. Wow. When you die on the path through devotion into the mystery, the mystery rewards your dying by flooding you with its diamond grace, its golden light. And that wakes up your whole being into its essential divinity and you through grace become one with the one and that means as kabir stresses again and again in this poem in these poems that means that you have to stop thinking of the mystical path entirely as a path of the enlightened mind and heart alone. It has to be a path that brings in the body because the body is destined also to become divine. That's what makes Kabir such a revolutionary. And that's what makes his work 
a direct transmission to us now, and that's what makes his voice so important to us. And if you study the great mystical traditions, you'll find that this secret is also hidden in all of them. But now is the time for the unleashing of this secret of engoldenment. And that's why I produced this book, so that this secret will now be available to anyone who wants it, so that we will have the courage to go through the savagery and the, and the terrible suffering of the mutation process, knowing that its destined outcome could be, if we worked with this secret, the raising of the whole human race into conscious human divinity, giving us absolutely amazing powers to work with God to co-create a wholly new way of being and doing everything. Andrew, you know, the most difficult part of any conversation with you is the ending, because I don't want it to end. And yet it must. We <laughs> we we have our clocks, and uh, we, we must move along. But I really appreciate you being with us again today. Thank you also for this marvelous work and all the effort you put into it. One of the things I admire about you, and I've never told you this till now, is the way you unselfishly give attribution to the giants upon whose shoulders we stand. There are so many teachers who will harvest wisdom from the great masters and speak it as if it were their discovery. But what you always do is point to the originators. You know, this is Kabir. This is Rumi. This is what Jesus was actually saying. And this we learn from the Vedas or Patanjali. Or, and that attribution, that humility, I admire and, and aspire to uh, <laughs> be able to manage my ego to the point that I always... We, in journalism, we call that attribution. <laughs> But it's very natural to me because having spent 40 years with Rumi and now 10 years with Kabir, how could I possibly not be overwhelmed with gratitude at yeah. what they have given me? And that's why I've spent so much time working with them to be able to make them accessible to others because I want everyone to receive what I have received. Yeah, yeah. why reinvent the wheel, right? Right. Yeah. Andrew Harvey, our guest today, and uh, we'll have Andrew back. Maybe, you know, Andrew usually joins us uh, once or twice a year, and so uh, fear not. We will, we will have An Andrew with us again. No doubt you'll have another book and see. How, how many of your books are you up to? 15, 16 books? Or? 42. Oh, my Lord. 42 books. Yeah. Well,. I hardly know what to say about that. Uh, I have one, so... <laughs> Michael, you've been doing heroic, wonderful work helping all kinds of voices get out. That is also a huge creative work. Well, thank you, dear man, and uh, blessings and peace and love in this brand new year, and thanks for guiding us, being one of our most eminent guides as we move through this dark night of the soul into what can only be better days. 
Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Bless you, Michael. That's Andrew Harvey, and uh, his new book is in Golden Mints, 366 of Kabir's poems. So there's one for every day. Imagine if every day you began your day with your meditation, your clearing focus, and a poem from Kabir from 600 years ago, and allow that truth and that wisdom to resonate in your heart. What a wonderful way to start every day. So. Uh, that's available on Amazon and wherever fine books are sold, as they say. I want to thank you for joining us every Tuesday for the Wisdom School here on KPFK at 1 o'clock. And if you ever miss a show, again, visit our website, theagelesswisdom.com, or check YouTube under the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School or your favorite podcast player or uh, or aggregator. And join us next week. We'll be back with another wonderful Mystery School program about consciousness, about awareness, and about hope and the love and the enthusiasm with which we move forward into what is now a brand new year. As always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner on KPFK. KPFK.